Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hey, I'm here. This is not live because a small child interrupted our show last night. (laughs) She was pretty adorable about it, though, so I'm going to give her a pass. (laughs) I don't know. You have to... Well, okay. There's a bit of the... I have not had a show... uh, delayed by by small children in quite some time i don't like if the show was to be impacted by small children it would be this show because this is the only one on a schedule it's the only one that's recording live so there's like a bit of a a bit of a, a a schedule to things if you say and then like yesterday abby put went down at 6 30 like they always do but she just wouldn't go down and i'm like what is going on usually it's like okay maybe it's an hour that i have to like kind of go in you know, say, say, oh, it's okay, and then go back to sleep. Uh, but no, it was like two hours, and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be able to record tonight. And finally, I just gave up, and I, because Ashley was working late, so I brought her down, and and she just, uh, she was awake. You saw it on yeah. camera, like awake. Yeah, and she was like wide, wide awake, and like playing with the microphone. It was yep. super adorable. But yeah, there was no way that kid was going to sleep. Uh, now she did eventually go to sleep once you know, once Ashley got home and, and, uh, you know, Jedi mother tricks and, and all that fun (laughs) stuff. And, uh, but no, it was just really cool. Like, um, there's some photos in the discord. I, I put a photo up last night as well on Twitter and, and you could see what, what we were dealing with, but, uh, she's, she's probably one of the only fans of the animal crossing amiibos and I'm fine with her accessing those because I mean, they're just, they're animal crossing amiibos. So it's fine. Uh, but yeah, we had we had a good amount of time to uh, to discuss uh, angry children last night. So let's not let it take over today's show as well. <laughs> well, speaking of children, I did want to remind everybody that you can keep donating to Extra Life all the way through the end of December. You can go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2018 to see our whole team. You can jo- you can donate to any of the members of the team. Uh, and do oh, yeah. tune in to, we still have a couple more streams for up until the end of the year. So uh, I will be streaming probably on December 8th. I feel like <laughs> I had something come up that I said I would do and yeah. I don't remember now, but it's fine. There might be a conflict. If there's a conflict, I'll do it on like the 9th or something. But there will be more extra live streaming from me. I'm still a little bit short on my goal, so that will be happening. <laughs> but as I said, you can donate all the way through the end of December. So make sure you don't forget yeah, we'll uh, we'll do a push near the end of the year. Obviously, we're heading into December now. You you get you get into a bit of a routine. You got your holidays. You got your game of the year. You got your game awards. So we'll have tons to talk about. Uh, but we will certainly not leave extra life behind. And and uh, yeah, some more streams incoming. Uh, I'm I'm planning a stream at some point. I haven't quite nailed it down. I better nail it down quick because for every day I delay, there's some sort of Christmas thing that that just just. <laughs> Just, just you know, growing in and just a, you know, absorbing extra days. I don't know. It's just, I thought I was like, oh, I'll do it this day or this day. Oh no, wait, it's like whack a mole, but like the opposite. It's just like <laughs> Christmas parties popping up all over the place. So it's uh, so true. We are in the season now. It is actually officially Black Friday. So if you mm-hmm. guys haven't checked already, there's lots and lots of gaming deals going on right now. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's the Steam sale, but on top of the Steam sale, there's been uh, sales on. Xbox One X consoles. Uh, I think if you buy a Nintendo Switch right now, I saw Best Buy is giving you a copy of Mario Party for free. So there's lots of deals to be had out there if you guys are 
interested in gaming deals, which of course you are, because you're listening to the sound of my voice. Did you pick anything um, up or? I haven't actually. I'm Hmm. kind of like waffling on whether or not to pick up Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I saw it for about 50 bucks Mm -hmm. and it's a pretty good deal considering the game just came out and it's uh, had a lot of critical success. A lot of people I've seen have really, really been enjoying Assassin's Creed Odyssey. The only thing is, and I did the same thing with a game that we're going to talk about in a little bit, which is uh, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. I am just at the point now, I mean, we've got Christmas coming up and then after Christmas, we've got six weeks until our wedding and our honeymoon right after that. And so I just, I, I am at the point now where I just don't have, I, I don't want to say I'm strapped for cash, but things are, are tighter than normal. So even though Assassin's Creed Odyssey seems like a really great game and same with Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, I just don't really have the the free cash right now to be spending on these games. So yeah. what I actually ended up doing instead was going back to something that I'd already purchased. So uh, this is something that I talked about when the first episode came out. Brian and I both played the first episode of The Council. It was an episodic ty- uh, title that was released about basically these world leaders in the like late 17 early 1800s and they were gathering on this island and the main character's mother had gone missing and she was the head of this occult order basically and so you go to the island to try to find your mother and you interact with people like George Washington and Napoleon Bonaparte and uh various other historical figures so I played the first episode of the council not realizing it was episodic and then got to the end and went oh man it's episodic so i decided to wait until the final episode had released so the final episode of the council comes out december 4th so i figured i should use this time to get caught up because it's a surprisingly meaty game it took me i think i've got about 10 hours of playtime in it now and Hmm. i'm finished the third episode i just finished the third episode so i still have the fourth episode to finish have you gone back to the council at all i haven't you know um we talked about episodic games and and the idea of of waiting until a full season comes out and uh i not to say that i have like not to say that i have a lot of games that i i can check out um but sometimes it is nice to have episodic games where you, you have a week where it's just like you know what I'm going to talk about episode two of this game and uh, it is nice to go in there and and play it. But I don't know, like with the council, um, there was just enough about it that was intriguing. There was also just enough about it that was like, I don't know if I want to like rummage my way through this and then only hit hit a wall where I have to wait another three months. So I kind of subscribed to the idea of waiting uh, until it all came out. And I did know that the final episode was coming out fairly soon. So there's no way I'd be able to finish all the episodes before december 4th uh, but i haven't gone back but i really did dig the premise of it and i think it was the rpg elements of uh you know having skills that affect conversations do do they do some interesting things with that in in two and three as they continue like do they double down on that well, stuff see so, okay so here's the thing about the council is hmm. i am intrigued by the story There are some like real world historical events that are happening in and around this council of world leaders that it's very compelling because I'm a 
very big fan of history. I took history for my first two years at university. Like I, I really do like history, specifically military history. So the like the French Revolution's happening right now. So it's it's very interesting. It's based in a time when there were a lot of big events going on. So the story and the setting I find intriguing. But the execution of the game is not mm -hmm. exactly where I would expect it to be, I guess. I mean, we talked about some of the issues with the voice acting and we talked about some of the issues with just the the movement and the animations of the characters and stuff. The it's like the the art of the characters is very well done, but then as soon as they try to make those characters move, it really loses something. So we've kind of gone over all of that but now that i have spent a little bit more time first of all like i said i played the first episode and then let a lot of time pass and that's mm -hmm. kind of a mistake because the uh call it combat in this game is your they're called confrontations which oh, you right. have you have conversations where you can essentially learn more information and if you have certain skills and enough energy which i'll talk about energy in a minute but you have if you have the certain skill at the certain level and enough energy to actually perform the task then you can find out more information during the course of conversations which then comes up in confrontations which are different they take you into this like super intense there are uh, certain points in these confrontations I've seen as few as three, but as many as five, um, <laughs> basically chances where you can really screw up. And then every confrontation will say you have no chances to screw up. Like basically, if you screw up once, then you fail. If you screw up twice, you fail three times, whatever. Every confrontation is different. So it has a different number of fail points and a different number of allowable screw ups, basically. So the more conversations that you have and the more you can use your skills to get more information out of people before you get into confrontations, the better you're going to do. But what I found was I chose the diplomat, I believe, mm -hmm. as my because you can choose one of three kind of styles and basically it unlocks all of the first points in, in all of those skills in those trees so i chose the diplomat so i knew stuff about like politics and etiquette and i thought that would be a really good starting point considering i'm going to a meeting of a whole bunch of different like countries and and different aristocrats and kings and and presidents and stuff like i thought being a diplomat would help me a lot in the first episode and it didn't um i found that a lot of things were locked behind the uh, there was the diplomat, the occultist, and then something about like the um, academic or something I want to mm. say. And I found a lot of things seem to be locked behind like logic or uh, psychology or even like occult knowledge and, and world linguistics and stuff. All of those things were skills that I didn't have. So for instance, like when the guy from Germany was talking to the guy from England, but he was talking in German. It was like, oh, if you had good linguistics, you'd be able to tell what they were saying. 
So then I would get into, I basically found that I never had the appropriate skill to get anything more than the basic com conversation options in the first episode. So then I decided that I was going to try and essentially diversify and try to get at least the first level in all of my as fast as possible. So I really spread myself out. And then the conversation started to get a little bit better and I started to find a little bit more information. But I was still failing the confrontations like every single freaking time hmm. until finally I got to the point where like I had enough um, consumables because there's this energy mechanism in the game. And essentially you've got all of these little energy uh, diamonds down in the left-hand corner of your screen. And I, as you, sorry, as you progress through the game, you find these fragments of amber and every time it's like heart pieces in Zelda. Every time you get four of them, then you get a, you unlock a new energy diamond, except I swear to God, I've never had more than like four energy diamonds full at a time. Like you never, ever, ever fill up that meter. So I'm just like, I don't even understand why this is in the game because it's never full and I can hardly ever actually use all these skills that I've unlocked because I don't have the energy to do it, which is super frustrating. It's like, oh yeah, this requires logic level four. You have logic level four, but it also requires three energy and you have one energy. So whoops, sorry, you can't actually do this which uh, usually happens to me in confrontations. And then I'm just like, okay, well, now I have to guess. And the confrontations I've found often hinge on some tiny detail of some conversation. And I had a confrontation at the, uh, I guess, in the second quest of the third act, because each act has, or each episode is split into multiple quests. So it gives you chances because you can only change your skills and read books and stuff like that. Um, books give you extra levels in certain skills. So you can only read books and you can only level up and change your skills and whatever um, mm. at the end of uh, one of these like quests. So anyways, in the third act, in the second quest, I had um, like a choice to make essentially that harkened back to me remembering exactly what was said to one of my characters in the ver at the very beginning of the very first episode. It was literally like, when we arrived on the island, what was the first thing I said to you? I'm like, oh my god, I don't know. That's just, that's <laughs> just bad. That's just bad design in terms of creating an episodic <laughs> game. Like, I mean, I, I believe, I would think, I don't know this for a fact, but I would think that when you're designing a game and you want to make it epic episodic, it's so that the gamer or the person enjoying it um, is going to play it episodic. That, that's that got to be your goal from, from the outset. It's like, I want people to play this like a TV show, knowing full well that there could be three months between each, each episode, so therefore they have to right. be somewhat self-contained, but also you can summarize the major beats in a two-minute, last-minute, last-time-on type scenario. So that's a really odd choice to be like hey remember what effectively remember what i said to you earlier this year like if i came up to you today and said like guess what the thing you were confused about on the 8th i know what it was but don't you remember what we talked about in like february jocelyn <laughs> like you'd probably smack me through the internet right like that's yeah it's kind of a dick move 
Um, by the way, I actually well, don't know what's going on on the 8th, but... Um... <laughs> I know. But yeah, so, and that's kind of how it felt, because then there was another confrontation that I had where I had to basically talk a character down and convince her that I was actually me. Mm-hmm. And again, it was one of the, the things that I had to choose was like the name of the art dealer in Paris that we were dealing with, which wasn't even an event it was an event that i kind of talked about or read about at some point but it it had nothing to like i didn't actually play through it in the game and all five of the options were essentially the same except that they changed like they swapped like the first letters like so the guy's first name and last name they swapped the letters so like it was like monet or gonet and i was like i don't know like the it all looks the same so you couldn't even really use like um name recognition or like shape recognition or anything because all five of the options looked essentially the same and so i just happened to pick correctly Mm -hmm. and i feel like more often than not in this game as many people as i try to talk to and as many things as i try to do and as much information as i try to gather when it actually comes down to the finer points of what these people think is important and there's no way to go back and look at any of this stuff either it's like they tell you one thing in one conversation and then it's done So, and you also don't like, you don't write it down in any kind of journal. Like there is a journal, but all your journal tells you is a basic overview of the bio of the character. And then if you've discovered any of their immunities or vulnerabilities, because that's another thing that they have, which I found uh, tripped me up a lot before I opened up a lot of skills is that, so say for instance, I have put a lot of skill into my uh, logic well, there's going to be some characters that are immune to logic. So you might have the basic conversation action available to you. And then there's an option to use logic or politics. And they might be immune to one and vulnerable to the other, but you haven't unlocked the one that they're vulnerable to and you haven't talked to them before. So you don't know that they're immune. So you try to use logic on them and then like it ends the conversation basically because they're immune to it so they're just yeah. like you're an idiot and they walk away and you're like well damn it <laughs> so i guess while something we established when when we started talking about this this game way back when it when, it, when the first episode came out and something that we're still touching on are these unique mechanics to the council that make it different from other you know episodic story based games ad- adventure games um the question I think that uh, might be on people's minds is, I mean, is it fun? It, are those mechanics fun in a way that even though you're failing uh, at certain I- increments, like, is it still fun, like, what you're trying to do? It sounds like you're you're hitting barriers that, that would uh, impede that fun. Yeah, so I would say what is fun about it is that the character's in the story is very compelling Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting to me specifically because I do find like myths and the occult as well as history very interesting so this is basically right up my alley from a store story and lore perspective so from that perspective yes it's fun I want to know going to end but in terms of the actual mechanics of the game I find it super super I find the conversations really frustrating. I find the confrontations extraordinarily frustrating. Mm -hmm. And then um, I find the puzzles to be almost like difficult for the sake of being difficult. And again, it's because you're not necessarily sure what things are important and what things aren't important. 
And yeah, so I, I think that that is that's probably been my biggest thing. Like I actually went back and played through an entire section of episode three because essentially there's a giant puzzle to solve at the very end of episode three. And I don't want to necessarily spoil anything, but it has extreme consequences if you fail. Hmm. And there's like in pieces to the puzzle that you have to get right or and there's only one solution. And if you were to put together all the different possibilities, I don't even know. There's seven different things that you have to guess and each of the seven things has probably 10 options. So like when you think of all the different combinations, like and and you only get one shot, like you just you get to press the button that says, am I right or am I wrong? And there's only one solution out of all those possible combinations. So you very much have to have been paying a lot of attention. You have to like logic your way through it. And then so I ended up doing it and I got it wrong. And it wasn't because I didn't know the right solution. It's because it was really convoluted as to how they actually wanted you to enter the solution. So I ended up putting it in slightly the wrong order. Hmm. So then I had to replay through the entire quest because I'm like, I'm sure that I'm right about this. And I Googled it and I was right about it. And I just hadn't turned one of the rings the right way. And I was just like, I was so frustrated. So I just Googled it. I looked, I was like, okay, so no, I did. I answered all of the things correctly, but it was just really convoluted as to like basically where the like the line was that like all the things lined up, I guess like it just, anyways, it was, I don't want to spoil the puzzle. Right. So I'm kind of talking all the way around it, but anyways, so uh, one of my rings was out of position essentially because I didn't really understand. Yeah. And I find that with a lot of the puzzles where it's like, I know the solution, but the way that you enter it into the game is often not, um, intuitive i guess i feel the best like, put it yeah i feel like the story if the story or the the character development wasn't there for you or wasn't really oh i would have given up on this so yeah long ago. like the, this so, is so one of those ago. instances where it feels like you should you should have bounced off this game pretty pretty hard and I, and I do remember when we played the game first it was like there's a rough edges but there was something about it that was intriguing. And I think for me, it was not only the story, but also the mechanics they were presenting. I, I like I like to experience new things. And I felt like in episode one, it was it was fairly well balanced. It sounds like in future episodes, they um, it doesn't sound balanced at all. <laughs> uh, I found in future episodes, uh, there were less conversation mm -hmm. options. Uh, or maybe not less conversation options, but I found that there seemed to be more of the kind of you go this way or that way choices. And maybe there weren't, but it felt like there was maybe more behind the choosing one way or another. So it's like uh, like at the end of episode two or like almost at the end of episode two, there was you can basically follow character A or follow character B. And it's like if you follow character A, then you're locking yourself out of like big, huge story chunks. And it'll mm -hmm. tell you like under alternate paths, like how many things you missed. And it's like in that episode, I think I missed like five things because it was all like all characters. And it was like following one character would lock you out of all of the other characters. Mm -hmm. So and then in episode three, 
I would then have confrontations with some of the characters that I had been locked out of in episode two. And I just failed left, right and center because I hadn't had the chance to talk to them or search their rooms or whatever the case may be. So whether that's like me choosing odd paths or and actually pathing in this game is something that I want to talk about, too, because that was one of the big things that they said about the council is basically it is a choose your own adventure type thing where your choices actually matter and they'll take you to different places. And one of the examples they gave is basically at the after episode one, going into episode two, you could either have a uh, so basically either a murder happened, Mm -hmm. a murder didn't happen. And if the murder happened, you either were investigating the murder or you were the suspect, the main suspect in the murder. And so there were basically like three different things that could happen, like investigator suspect or no murder happened at all. And those seem like wildly different things, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it seemed to kind of resolve itself really quickly in a way that wasn't very satisfactory. And sometimes the council just straight up contradicts itself. So my character had a vision and I'm pretty sure that this vision is right at the very beginning of the game. So I think you've probably seen it too. Sure. He has a vision of his mother shooting one of the other characters, right? Yeah. Did you see that? I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So he has that vision and you find out basically that he is, um, essentially when he has the visions they're like things that are happening at that same time so they treat the visions as truth so then in episode three i ended up in a confrontation with this person who was supposed to already be dead and also later on had a conversation with my mother that spoiler alert you eventually find your mother But I had a conversation with my mother that was like, tell me what happened with this other character. And she's like, that person had to die. I had to do it. And I was like, but I talked to that person after she supposedly died. Like, what? (laughs) Uh, I think she had a twin. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember if the twin thing had been. No, but that's what I'm saying. So basically what uh, the story was supposed to be is that the mom killed the twin. But then I had an interaction with both twins. And then the mom was like, well, I killed the twin and she had to die. And I was like, no, I killed the twin because she had to die. It was so confusing. I was like, it's like the there were just too many branches of the story. And so there were like two things that happened to this one character. And it didn't make any sense. <laughs> so it's like they had, they just had too many branches and I had made maybe an unexpected set of choices that ended up with me having these two branches as things that both happened in my universe somehow. <laughs> I don't know this. It, mm. I'm trying, like I'm trying to explain it without like boiling too, too much of it as to like when things happen or just, what my choices it- were that led me to places. But my choices seem to lead me to a place that, given earlier events, should not have been able to occur. And then later on, I had a conversation that then also said that the event that I had in episode two should not have occurred because that character should have already been dead. So it was like it was this really, really, really weird thing where I was like, wow, okay." And it's almost like there's um, in the background, maybe like 
check boxes or thing or like you're getting like a score and if you score between like one and 50 outcome a and if you score between 50 and 100 you get outcome b and then if you score between 100 and 150 you get outcome c and so the way that you score points is going to be different and you know yeah i might have scored you know 120 points so that's going to give me option c but i didn't do it the way that they did me too or something like that i don't know but however however their system works in the background there's been some janky storytelling like continuity errors basically yeah this game we kind of figured it would i mean when it came out it it didn't it seemed like they were it was a very ambitious project what they were trying to do and super super ambitious and you can see all of that ambition because it is like there's a lot of systems in it there are a lot of people to talk to there are a lot of items to interact with there's a lot of uh, background and world building there are mm. a ton of letters like between different characters from characters to their monarchs to you know just all kinds of different things to try to you know and again this is another kind of problem is there's so much to read and so much to remember and so many names that it's just like man when it comes down to these confrontation moments it's really 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 difficult and i think that's what they were aiming for is they wanted to make this a, a difficult game but I think that they maybe took it too far and just went a hair too difficult because, right. like I say, in that one conversation option where you had to remember the name of the art dealer, it was just like, man, it's not even like you're, you've are you got, like, John, Jacob, Mike, Steve, and Scott or something, like, where I can at least remember, oh, it was a J name. Okay, that means it's either John or Jacob, you know? So there was, like, just no way to narrow that stuff down. And so it just came to the point of feeling like a guess. And, and mm-hmm. that when you are a smart person and a smart gamer and you are used to doing like logic puzzles and things like that, when you feel like you're guessing your way through a game, that's not necessarily fun. Cause then, then it just feels like, well, how the hell was I ever supposed to know that? Yeah. And now are there any sliders that kind of, uh, for difficulty sake, maybe trim that stuff down? Like, or, or no, it, there's no. no difficulty settings. No. Okay. Well, uh, I I honestly don't know if I'm going to go back to it. I, I think that um, I think that it probably warrants checking out episode two at the very least. Uh, but knowing if, my if I were yeah. you, I'm I would kind of maybe even replay episode one just to refresh your memory because I stumbled through episode two pretty hard yeah. because I didn't really remember who I'd met, who I'd talked to, who I'd sided with, like what had happened really in episode one so i would suggest a fresh playthrough and that thing that i think is interesting about this game it has such a complex story that i really think it would warrant multiple playthroughs if you found the story compelling but a lot of the mechanic are frustrating so i don't know if that warrants an alternate playthrough you know what i mean like it's it's such a weird game and i i really don't know if i can recommend it or not because if you're not into like myths and the occult and historical figure at that specific moment in history, then like I, I realize this very specifically is targeting me as a person with my interests. So yeah, if you're not into specifically all of those things, then yeah, just steer by the council because it's not worth the headache. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's, it's good that you revisited because I, I know I had seen the the final episode coming but yeah I, I don't know this it's a tough one to recommend and i think you got to check out the trailer and see whether you'd be interested in the story they're trying to lay down i mean it mm-hmm. it is really cool with the george washington type stuff and all that 
fun business, but, uh, yeah, rough, rough package. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you been playing? Well, uh, I've been meaning to talk about this one for a couple weeks. Uh, I got a, a code for Thronebreaker, The Witcher Tales, and I wanted to wait till you came back on the show to talk about it because it is a fully fledged campaign set in the Witcher world, which combines overworld map navigation, player choice, and Gwent, the card-based uh, game that you're probably familiar with. Right, uh, did yep. you play The Witcher 3, or, or is it just the fact that... Uh, it... I started into the witcher 3 pretty mm -hmm. much got to the point where they introduced gwent played a lot of gwent and then stopped playing witcher 3 <laughs> okay well um now did you this play was before this was before gwent actually was its own standalone card game so this was like when playing in the witcher 3 was the only way to play gwent <laughs> yeah and this one's more based off of the the gwent that came out standalone in the sense that it's a lot more visual um, as opposed to in The Witcher, it was it was more just uh, it was very I wouldn't say plain, but it wasn't as stylized as as this one is. Right. Uh, so this game is a fully fledged campaign. So my favorite thing about Hearthstone that they used to do were were the adventures uh, that they would come out with that you could buy standalone. They put a lot of effort and development time into creating these packages for you to play through with. Um, either custom decks or decks they've given you and scenarios they've taken that idea and basically said like we're gonna actually do the real thing like a fully fledged game and this offers that experience to a t and, and it's it, it's perfect for me because so i don't have this, to worry about my deck. actually is this actually gwent this is the card game basically this is the card game except you so you could so in the, I don't know if it's throughout the whole game, but when you start the game, you control this uh, queen Maeve or whatever. You, you control this queen, and you've been away from your lands, and you come back, and it's like you have this army, and you're trying to get across the the your lands because it's been there's issues happening. So as you're okay. traversing through the land, it's this overworld map. So think of it as a, sort of a Diablo style, kind of isometric as you're point and clicking through the map. And there are a lot of interaction modes and stuff. Like you can collect resources, you can make choices. Okay, by so talking it's not to... like the Mario map with like no. moving from level to level. Okay. No, it's it's a fully. I it's more like Diablo. So like, but okay. it is, but it is the it, it is the world. Like it's uh, it's not like a, I don't know, like a level. It's it's the world that you're you're progressing through, right? And uh, you you point and click your way through it, and as you progress through the through the world, you'll come across things you can collect like resources. So you've got gold, uh, lumber, and um, uh, army or men, I guess. Like I don't know what they call them, but it's little like shield things. Soldiers. Yeah, soldiers probably makes more sense. Um, and you use those resources to create new cards for your deck or uh, build upgrades in, in your, so you have a camp as well. So in that camp, you're sort of, you're managing your resources, you're building upgrades that affect your, everything from your your card cap to how fast you move on the overworld, uh, like all over the place type stuff. And as you're progressing through the, the map, as you're clicking through, you're coming into various uh, interactions with people. Some of them are just like a dialogue choice pops up and it says like, Hey, I want, um, there's this rock slide. How do you clear it? You know, if you clear it by hiring people, it's going to cost you gold. If you clear it by making your men do it, your uh, soldiers count will go down and maybe uh, the morale of your soldiers will go down. 
So there's also a morale meter in the top left. And if it's green, that means then your, your units will do bonus damage or they have some sort of buff uh, in the next battle. Or if it's red, that means you're going to have a debuff in the next battle. And you can kind of micromanage that as you go through and, and buff it and, and have debuffs in various ways before you get into the next fight. So it's more than just what they were doing in Hearthstone where it's like, click the button, it loads up Hearthstone, and you play the Hearthstone match, you know, with with bells and whistles and various different things they've set up. But in this, there's this there's this whole campaign alongside it, fully voiceovered. So everything's got voiceover. Um, and there's yeah, really cool animations as, as characters are talking to each other. Um, and it's just the package is, is really well put together here. It's, it's top-notch. And then you eventually get into uh, the Gwent, uh, where you're, you're playing the card games. And there are pretty much two different types, similar to Hearthstone. You have your just your normal match, where you just you know beat this and progress. And like in Gwent, it's best of three rounds. Um, and it's similar, to, it's similar to how that worked in The Witcher, or if you've played the standalone Gwent best of three rounds and you kind of it's based on power on the board right right Um, so there's there's those matches which are usually story based but then there are other matches like puzzle matches where they give you specific win conditions um like they say the only way you can win is if you uh if you kill or clear this specific target or if you uh bring these wagons uh, from the enemy's side to your side, and there are specific conditions to make those wagons move. And it's just a whole bunch of that stuff, like a lot of it. I've played about six hours, and there's just been so much varied content. And that's the biggest difference between this and what they've presented in Hearthstone. And I think Elder Scrolls, the Elder Scrolls card game, has a much more advanced campaign mode. But uh, they've actually treated this like a like a fully fledged game where you've you're walking around, you're doing resource management. There's story, there's dialogue. It's really cool, and I and I guess like to get your take on it, like as someone who's a fan of of card based games, like is this? I know this is something I would like to see more from Hearthstone, but like, do you miss the campaign <laughs> style stuff in Hearthstone, or are you just like ah, give me my ladder, it's fine? Um, well, I mean, it, it that is kind of a difficult question for me because I am so invested in basically standard ladder Hearthstone, mm-hmm. right? So the single player content never really felt like it was for me, if that makes sense. Like, True. I always was basically playing the competitive mode in Hearthstone and the single player would come out and I would go through it and I would beat it and I'd get my card back. But it was more like a chore. For me as opposed to something that i really enjoyed doing because i found some of them were some of them were fine some of them were fun some of them were interesting like uh for instance the one that comes to mind is the uh like you had to run from the boulder indiana mm. jones style in uh league of explorers that was a really cool take on it but i feel like um hearthstone outside of puzzle mode puzzle mode would be the other thing that i think that they've really not out of the park and that was probably the best single player content I think they've ever done because they were thinking a little bit outside of the you know I have 30 health you have 30 health we beat each other till someone has no health box um, so puzzle mode I thought was really good but it's still just more Hearthstone more bored more you know more of the same mm-hmm. and this is intriguing to me it seems to combine a lot of the different 
elements into something new and kind of cool and exciting versus, you know, Hearthstone, which just is the same. It always is. <laughs> yeah. And the puzzle stuff that they get you to do is really neat. And that's that's what I really like is I you you can see on the map if something's a puzzle because it'll um, it'll actually have a puzzle piece over the scenario you're walking up to. So, you know what you're getting into. And then other times it's you're very aware for story reasons that, oh, th there's a story battle coming up because I can clearly see ahead of me that there are bad guys. Um, so everything is well designed in a way on the map where you can tell like, oh, I can click on that because it's got a little green banner and I'm going to be able to collect resources. Or Even the, the fact that they give you any kind of story in and mm. also like have the card game kind of built in is awesome because in hearthstone there never really is too much of a story like the story usually is hey what are you doing in my stronghold and then you <laughs> beat a couple of bosses and then hey stop stop beating my minions you'll never get past this minion and you oh know, you did then, oh you did yeah <laughs> i guess now i have to face off against you grr oh no you beat me i'll be back or something <laughs> I mean, it's like every Hearthstone adventure ever. That's spot on. And and here, like, it's almost the exact opposite, where there is a ton of story that they're presenting you. And it's it can be a little overwhelming uh, at the beginning as you're you're learning all these new characters. As someone who's played Witcher 1, 2, and 3 to various degrees, even to the point of, of I think I completed 3. Actually, I think I've completed all except the first one. Either way, when you come into this, you're you can be familiar with the world, but they're presenting, to me at least, all new characters. Uh, this is a story set in the Witcher world, but it's not telling like a side story that you're familiar with. Um, maybe the book, maybe it pulls from the books. I don't know. I haven't read the books, but they're introducing characters that you you've never met before. Maybe you've heard their name, but um, they it is a part of the world. Like you can you recognize the country names and stuff, but um, there's even an instance where there's a puzzle up ahead and it says like, oh, milady, there's a, you need to help us. There's this, uh, haunted graveyard up above this devastating creature keeps stealing all of our livestock. And then your advisor says like, ah, milady, we don't need to worry about this. Uh, we'll hire a witcher later on. It'll be fine. And then she says, we have no time to hire a witcher. We must go in there and defeat the, and it's just, it's all voice acted. It's, it's just really cool. Uh, to go in there now some of the puzzles are a bit like head scratchy and i think that's where your abilities would shine because like to me i'm just like i don't know i gotta fix this i gotta brute force this there's something here i'm missing but for you i think you'd look at it okay look at all my card abilities look at what i'm working with here uh one i'm stuck on right now um a village gets attacked by i don't know the they call them skigellians or something but they're basically vikings and they're like coming in. <laughs> Don't you love when fantasy things just make up words for the sake of making up words? It's like, we can't just call them the Vikings, guys. Come on, yeah. think outside the box. And then it feels like they just like grabbed a boggle thing and like shook up all the letters and went, okay, that's almost a word. Yeah, we'll the word that. the word is like, it sounds like you're sneezing. I don't know. Like a, a, <laughs> like you, you tried to stop your sneeze, but you ended up sneezing anyways. And you come up with skigallions or whatever. I'm probably not even pronouncing it right. But they like come in. <laughs> And there, there's the main guy, and uh, as we discussed, Gwent is based on power on, on each side of the board. This is a puzzle mode, so it's one round, best of one round. And the guy who starts on the board has 150 power. And it's like, well, okay, how am I going to deal with it? There's no way, because most of my guys have, like... That's the other thing about Gwent. There's not a lot of attacking. Um, and the attacking you do on the board will take away people's power. So 
how do I deal with someone on the other side that's 150? Well, his special ability is he takes out the biggest, baddest guy on the board and takes that damage, but he also kills him, right? So effectively reducing his power um, by the power you laid on on the board. So I'm working on this on this puzzle and like you're trying to figure out how to reduce his power while also keeping your strongest units on the board so that you can decrease his power just enough that you have your units on your... And it's just, it's all tactics. It's all strategy, right? And I'm stuck on it right now. Like I've been trying to try to get through it. But those are examples of, of these these strategic moments where it's not it's not necessary to the story. You could probably skip it, but it's... I don't know. It's it's a puzzle in in this game that you, like if you're playing for Gwent, like you're gonna want to play these puzzles, right? So, mm-hmm. and it looks amazing. Like the the board games look it's really cool good. It's like it's cool that it's like part of, but skippable if you don't like Gwent. You know, like yeah, you can I, still play through and see the story and everything else, even if Gwent isn't your thing. Oh, that's the that's the other part is they've actually put in like a mode where it's like, hey, you don't like Gwent, but you bought this game hey, you know, you can turn off Gwent. <laughs> you can just go through the story and uh, you don't That's have to play awful. Gwent. So if you're a big fan of The Witcher, but you weren't a big fan of Gwent, you can you can, uh, you can get this. And I think, I think uh, Gerald, you know, shows up because he is on the box art. So I would assume like The Witcher will show up at some point. Um, but yeah, you can skip all the Gwent stuff even by a toggle by playing story mode. And uh, I, when so does far, this actually? When does this take place in terms of like Witcher universe? Is this before uh, the Witcher three? After like? I have no idea, but I yeah, I have no clue. I, I would think it takes place between some of the games. Uh, it could even take place before Witcher one, like based on the art on the box uh, for uh, or, or the box art for the game. Uh, I'd say it's probably it could be between two and three. It's definitely not set after three, but I could be completely okay. wrong. I'm not sure. Um, but there, you know, all the Witcher stuff shows up. Like I ran into some trolls and very familiar uh, interactions with them. And, you know, you've got the Nilfgaardians, you've got the Skelligans. Like you, you're running into into factions that you're familiar with if, if you've played a good chunk of the game. Um, so they've really, they've really presented this great spinoff using Gwent and I liked Gwent. So I think that's where, that's where it really shines. Like if you, if you don't like Gwent, then I don't think you should buy the game just to experience the, the story is good. Don't get me wrong, but I, I much prefer the, the Gwent, but battles. the gameplay is kind of lacking a little bit if you don't Gwent. Yeah. Like if you're not Gwenting, you're literally clicking, you know, around the board, having small conversations with people and making some choices that, that use resources that you collect. Like, I, I, for one, love walking around an overworld and, and collecting resources and clicking things and having conversations. But at the end of the day, I'm not playing it for that. I'm playing it for uh, Gwent. Mm-hmm. And the, the the way that you... Once you once I re-familiarized myself with how Gwent works, um, I just really appreciated the way the way that the Gwent, uh, the Gwent looks in the game. Like I, I didn't play much of the, the standalone game. I played a lot of the Witcher three and they've really bumped up, um, the presentation for the game. Like there are fully animated, uh, hero units in the game, which I don't, they never had in Witcher three. So those guys stand on the sidelines and they have their own powers and stuff. So there's like a lot of interactivity between it. If, if you, if you get your card synergy working really well for you. So, um, 
all in all, I've really, I really am enjoying it. And I'm going to keep playing it as, uh, as I go through here. And, uh, it's just been a fun little distraction. Like it's, it's a laid back game. Like it's, it's a card game with some point and clicks type stuff in there. So, uh, it's just been good to jump in, play a couple rounds and jump out. And, uh, it's, it's really good. I think if you're at all a fan of, of Gwent or the Hearthstone adventures, like you really should check it out. Cause there's a, there's a fun mix of stuff in here. And again, that was called Thronebreaker, The Witcher Tales. Yeah, Thronebreaker, The Witcher Tales. It was exclusive on GOG, uh, good old games, but now it is on Steam. So you can go pick it up on Steam. I, I know a lot of folks, like, if it's not on Steam, it's like, that's a red flag for me. You can go get it on Steam now, which I, I guess was an issue for uh, for for the game. It was not having a, not having a grand time on, on good old mm. games, so. All right. Uh, we have a patron ad this week from Simon who says Weekly News Desk is a podcast all about the Geek News Week. You can join your two knucklehead hosts, Andrew and Simon, as they keep you informed on movies, TV, games, and books. You can find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. And that, of course, is brought to you by our Patreon campaign. You can head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin for all of the cool things that you get when you back our show. We thank you guys for all of the support. And you can also go over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord, which is where we do all of our uh, game night stuff. So that's where we take your questions. That's where we pull people in. So uh, make sure that you go over to patreon.com, the gamers in, support us and join the discord so that you can get in on game night. We were going to have game night last night, but as we are both Canadian, <laughs> we forgot that last night was actually American Thanksgiving. So yeah. we decided not to do it then. Uh, we're going to do it at some point next week. So uh, again, bit.ly slash TGI discord. Pay attention there. That's where we'll be talking about it. And uh, yeah, do look for a game night next. Cool. Uh, that brings us to, I get we're, we don't actually have a topic this week. What we're going to talk about is just Pokemon. Let's go Eevee. We're going to continue <laughs> our, what we're playing section. So, uh, this I'm actually, I'm really, really interested to know your thoughts on this because mm -hmm. like I mentioned off the top of the show, it's something that I've been looking at picking up, but I just, I haven't pulled the trigger because money's a little bit tight. So if I am a Pokemon go player, if I am a fan of Pokemon is, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee or Pikachu worth picking up? Uh, that, yeah, that's a good question. I was skeptical when I when they first announced this, and the I will be honest, the only reason I pre-ordered it is I took advantage of a of an E three deal, which which brought the price of the game down to to fifty even, right? So I I would not I would not have purchased this at, at full price. Now now that I've played it, I do think it's worth the price of admission because it is a really solid Pokemon game that they've put together, and the biggest thing for me the biggest positive about it is that it is um it's not as convoluted it's not as uh weighed down by just all these features and options and you know there's no breeding there's no uh pokemon sense there's there's no like equipping items and berries and stuff like there are berries in there but um yeah it, it really takes what makes pokemon go so great which is its simplicity and applies that to the the main the core franchise of Pokemon uh, on on the handheld or or now I guess on the Switch, which is a is a, a, is a home pseudo console. handheld. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's the thing is like they so what they take from Go mainly is the capturing mechanics. Uh, so when you when you're walking around in the grass, you actually see the Pokemon. So that it's not that it's not random battles. You see the Pokemon. You can choose to walk into them or you can avoid them 
And then when you That's launch That's the into... biggest thing that always used to frustrate oh, yeah. me about like console Pokemon stuff was the random battles. I was like, no, I just need to run, especially when, with the breeding stuff where you had to like go between different locations and like running down the path and all of a sudden like, bam, you're in a battle. And I was like, oh, I didn't want to do this battle. I just wanted to get to the gym or I just wanted to get to the breeding center or whatever. Like, I'm just traveling right now. Go away, Pokemons. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be and so much nicer to avoid them. Oh, yeah. You can totally do that. I've and Now, sometimes there are a swarm of Pokemon and it can be tough to avoid all of them. But the best part is once that battle loads up, you're not battling it. You know, like that was the big thing in the old games. You had to battle it. And, and then if you're trying to catch it, bring it down to a level where it was it was vulnerable and then throw the Pokeball. And then there was still a chance you might not catch it. Mm-hmm. In this, it uses it literally uses the Pokemon Go mechanics where it shows you the the circle uh, that c- sort of collapses in on itself and then resets. And based on the color, it tells you whether how hard it is to, to catch the Pokemon. Um, now, now, here's the only thing that I think is going to is, is going to turn you off of this game is that there is motion controls. Uh, for catching Pokemon, you you play with just the Joy-Con, and I don't know how to say positive things about playing with one hand that no one in our community or yourself is going to take and be like, haha, Ryan's playing a video game with one hand. Everybody is. <laughs> Everyone playing Pokemon Go. Let's go. Is a bad person. Uh, no, you play with you play with just the Joy-Con in your hand, right? And I'm trying to word myself correctly here, not to fall into a word trap. Uh, it's just I'll be good. I promise. Okay. It is no, that's not okay. I'll just say it. It is a laid back experience. It's very relaxing, where you're just playing. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Let's hold it together here. Uh, <laughs> where you're playing, uh, just you're playing Pokemon, and all it uses is you know the the uh, the control stick to move your your person around, and then the A button to confirm things. And then when you go into battle um, and you, you're going to catch a Pokemon, you just kind of, similar to Pokemon Go where you're flicking, you know, you're using your finger to flick, you're actually, it's like it's like a fishing mini game where you're you're kind of moving the, the Joy-Con towards the television like you're fishing, like you're casting a reel um, or you're casting a line. Okay. And yeah. it, it's not, and that's the thing, is it's not one-to-one, it's very loose, like you don't have to really worry about it. As long as you have what feels like the right amount of momentum, you're going to throw that Pokeball at the Pokemon and no doubt catch it. It's a very simple game. It's very relaxed. It's not punishing you because like, oh, you threw the, you threw it too hard and slightly to the left. So you totally whiffed. You're such a loser. You know, it's like it's not <laughs> it's not going to give you a hard time like that. Um, and just like Pokemon Go, you are swimming in Pokeballs every time you fight something. Or, or or battle a trainer it's like i don't know here are three pokeballs plus like two hundred dollars like these people are so generous and you you've just trashed them you know and they're giving you all this free stuff it's great um but yeah that's the thing is there's motion control in it but it is it is solely for the well actually it's because it's a joy con like they totally don't need it because when you you play in handheld mode you know you're not you're not gonna like swing your whole switch right yeah they change it so you just hit the a button um and then that throws the pokeball and you can kind of mm. just time it in a way now there is still a little bit of motion control as like you can sort of adjust the aim by moving the whole switch in your hands but, oh so kind of like tilt it left or right sort of thing yeah similar to i'm trying to think of a 
an analog here. The Wii U days had a lot of it where you were kind of, you know, moving things around to to sort of position your, your aim. Yeah. But uh, I found you don't really need to do it very much. It's kind of an afterthought. Uh, you can just hit the A button and you're usually fine. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's very simplistic. Um, I haven't gotten very far. I was kind of just going to touch on it this week and maybe, maybe put some more time into it for, for a future week, uh, week, but it's a very beautiful Pokemon game on a console. And I was worried that this was going to be kind of like another one of those watered down experiences. And, and it was watered down just enough where it, it gives you a remake of a red and blue. Um, and it's, it's straight up a remake. Like you're going in there and it, it, you know, this is pewter city. You've got, uh, Brock and the rock gym. And then you go to the next one and it's like Misty in the water gym. It's like, Oh my God, I remember this. Like it, it's been 25 years, but I, I totally remember playing this game on my game boy while going to Cubs or something. It's like, I don't want to go to Cubs. I want to play Pokemon blue. It's like, no, put the game boy away. You're going to Cubs. I'm like, damn it. See, I never played uh, Blue and Red. I recognize all of those names of characters from the TV show because I used to watch the TV show all the time. I never played the games. I just watched the TV show. Well, as a as a fan of the anime, like they take a lot from that as well, where it straight up pulls from the anime where you um, you pick a Pokemon that or you catch a Pokemon and the Pokemon doesn't like to stay in its Pokeball. So you constantly have this Eevee or Pikachu kind of riding on top of your head as you walk around or, or always perched on your shoulder like he's always following you and in this case i have eevee so eevee's kind of following me around and then you can also set other pokemon to follow you around too so you can have your buddy which is eevee or pikachu but then you can also have like i don't know your your straggler who's kind of following <laughs> you around on, on the ground and stuff and i found a pikachu so i have like i'm swimming in both circles i've got eevee on my shoulder and i got pikachu running around all over the place it's it's a really neat touch, and, and they kind of pull a lot from the anime where, like, there are Pokemon everywhere, everyone has a Pokemon, and it's this beautiful, vibrant world that they're presenting, and it's just really cool. It's simplistic, so if you're a, a fan of the mainline Pokemon games, like, you're not, don't expect, th- the game you're waiting for is coming out next year. This one is kind of for all the folks who just are looking for a simpler Pokemon game because they put a lot into those games. Like I've never yeah. been able to get very far in the new ones. Cause there's just so much there. And I really love the first ones like red, blue, and yellow. Those were my jam, you know? And this is exactly it. Like it's, it's a, it's a nice, perfect offering for, for something that's a little lighter, you know? Very cool. So maybe I, maybe I will check it. Maybe I'll wait until there's like a sale or something slash I know I have a lot of time because <laughs> that's something I am sadly lacking right now. But my traveling is over for the most part. So yeah, at least that's something, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and in terms of the let's or, or the go interaction, like if you're looking for something, you're going to be able to connect to go right away. It actually makes you progress pretty much through 75% of the game before you can start moving Pokemon over from your Go collection. And that's strictly just so you don't overwhelm the game with a bunch of high-powered Pokemon that you've had for the last two years. Uh, but I, was that, a little... I think that makes sense, I think. It, like, I would be excited about, like, integrating my Pokemon Go collection with my Pokemon Let's Go EV stuff, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I understand how that would probably mess with the balance of the game or even, like, the balance over in Pokemon Go. Like, as much as the combat in Pokemon Go isn't that balanced, it's pretty clunky. But 
still, if everyone all of a sudden had like super awesome stuff from Eevee, then that would potentially be a problem. So yeah. I can I can see how making you progress through most of the game and get to the end and then start swapping stuff back and forth, that that does make sense to me, even if it's a little disappointing right off the start. Yeah. But it it's um it's a nice it's a nice it's a really really cool game and, and I kinda see where I was wrong when it first was unveiled and I'm like, I don't think this is for me, but this was totally is totally Totally for, for me. you. Yeah. It's really cool. Uh one more quick question about mm -hmm. the actual combat stuff. Like how does that work? So you walk on a dude that you can see coming, which is nice, it's not random, but then once you actually get in there, does it like give you the option? Like, do you have to do a couple of different attacks with your Pokemon to weaken it and then it gives you the option of throwing, or do you just like go back and forth in combat and throw like whenever you flick the no joy-con so... i was gonna say wiimote and i'm like that's wrong <laughs> the no. joy-con like how, do, how does all of that like process actually work how does combat work so as you're walking through the grass there are two types of interactions for combat i guess in that when you're walking through the grass and you see the pokemon like and you you interact with them where they they basically cross paths and it goes into the new mode where it's like, okay. And that's where the, the, the go mechanic comes in where you're, you're just straight up trying to catch them. Um, oh, okay. They're, so you're there's not, no actual combat at that point in the wild. No, you, you can feed them berries similar to go where you can feed them berries to kind of like, Hey, slow down the ring progression, make it easier yeah. to catch them, that sort of thing. But when you're catching them, um, you are getting experience for your party. Uh, and it's set up the same way as if you were battling where the, the person you have in your first slot of your party gets a bulk of the XP and then everyone else gets a gets a share as well. So and I, I found that you actually level up more by catching Pokemon than you do by fighting the trainers, which makes sense because there are there are more. Pokemon uh, so that's to fight. where the that's where the combat comes in is when you actually go to the gym and fight the trainers. Yeah. And, and just like in the Pokemon games, like there are train, there are trainers kind of scattered throughout the world and, and you, you know, when they're going to like, you cross their path and a little exclamation points pops mm. up and they walk towards you. And those battles are set up like traditional Pokemon games where you have each Pokemon has four moves. You choose the move. It does it, it's turn-based and you can switch out your Pokemon and have six in a party. Um, that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, so it sounds like there isn't nearly as much trainer combat or like traditional Pokemon combat. It sounds more like you're basically playing Pokemon Go, but walking around a virtual world instead of the real world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, except it's set in like Pokemon, like red and blue. So you are right, yeah. you, you are interacting. You're, for example, Team Rocket's there. You you're progressing through um, the uh, now I forget what the mountains called mountain mountain moon moon mountain moon mountain maybe anyways where all the clefairies are and stuff and like you're finding a fossil same setup story-wise as red and blue so like you're right like it is pokemon go set in a virtual world um where you're walking around virtually but like that virtual world is straight up a remake of of red and right, blue right so, yeah it, i was just trying to get the combat down because yeah. the pokemon's i remember was you would you know randomly walk over them and then go into the turn-based combat all the time like so they've replaced that with this pokemon go capture mechanic yeah. and it's so much simpler like the fact that you yeah. don't have to accidentally kill the or make the pokemon faint uh right you know, when you're trying to catch them where you just you just literally now if you fail enough and like and go like they will run away but yeah. i found for the most part i i was able to catch them pretty much all the time very cool mm -hmm. so yeah i'll probably uh probably check that out maybe uh hopefully it'll be on sale for boxing day which is like 
Canadian Black Friday. <laughs> and only a month away. Exactly, exactly. I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at JossPlays, Ryan's at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are available after the fact over on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you're playing, please do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.